Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week, we're in chambers clearing the docket. Hi, Judge Hodgman. Hi. I'm just having some soup. Really? Cold day. Cold day in Brooklyn. Am I being too loud? Yeah, I mean, frankly, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that. I actually have a, a case here about loud eating. Do you want to hear it? Does it involve loud eating of soup? No, it's something different. Um, then no. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to read it anyway, and then you can just decide what to do when I'm done reading it. Go for it. It's from John. Well, at the movies with my wife, she told me <sighs> I was... Jeez. We are going to get so many complaints, John. Do you have any idea how many complaints we get whenever anyone eats on microphone? Why? Is that unprofessional? No, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. It's just there's some people who it really, really bothers. There's a small oh, okay. group of very vociferous people who are, like, deeply troubled right. by eating we'll on issue, microphone. We'll issue this one with a trigger warning. Okay, good. Uh, John says, while at the movies with my wife, she told me I was being mm-hmm. too loud when eating my popcorn. I was eating popcorn the usual way. Grab a small handful and munch away. My wife found this personally irritating, which frankly irritated me. Was she right to tell a, quote, normal, end quote, popcorn eater to cease their munching during a movie? Uh, What? Why didn't you give me a trigger warning, Jesse? You know know how much I hate the word munching? Munching. (laughs) This Grab guy a small handful like a real munch. and munch away. Munch, 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 munch. Ugh. This is almost as bad as nom, nom, nom on the internet. It gets me so. I don't know what it is. Just ugh, grosses me out. Grosses me out and, uh, and, and uh, sends me into indignation. I'm like, you know what? Everybody eats, you guys. Nothing special. Everybody eats food. We all need it to live. You don't have to be taking pictures of it all the time, putting it on. Nom, nom, nom. Munch is just a gross word. So obviously I fall, find in favor of the wife. But not merely because munch is disgusting, but because who are you to be talking about normative popcorn eating? I don't know the way you eat popcorn. I don't grab a small handful and munch away. I have like one or two kernels at a time. I don't know how loud you are. If I had you on the podcast, I could hear you doing it. And make a and make a sound decision, literally a sound decision. But I don't need to go through the nausea of listening to you eat popcorn and put my listeners through it after I already ate soup in their ears. Our listeners, Jesse, excuse me. Because I don't need to do this because uh, just be considerate of your wife. It doesn't matter what noise you think you're making or whether it's good or not. If it grosses her out, it grosses her out. Just try eating one piece of popcorn at a time. Don't munch. Eat. Munch, 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 munch. What if he munch, switched munch. to jujubes or something? Sour Patch Kids? Um, I like Sour Patch Kids. Uh, if he switches, I ask him only to switch to a candy that is only available in uh, a movie theater, like a Jordan Almond or a Jujubees or a Dots. Not only exclusively available, but the kind you only see in a concession stand. And when you see the Jordan almonds at the concession stand, then you can be pretty sure those are some vintage Jordan almonds. No one's had the, no one's, that box is, is older than you. Nobody's headed down to the corner store or the bodega to get, 
get some milk duds. Here's something from Daniel and Emily. While reviewing cases on the docket, you ruled that married couples should only celebrate anniversaries of their wedding date, that once they're married, a dating anniversary should no longer be noted. We're, we're okay. writing to request special dispensation. Oh, yeah, of course. We were married on the same day as our dating anniversary. Adorable. When asked about our anniversary, we typically acknowledge both numbers. For example, this year we might say, it's our 12th wedding anniversary and our 18th together. Let me put it this way, Daniel and Emily. You can say that. I don't care, and no one does. <laughs> Just be careful how you eat your popcorn, guys. That's the kind of stuff people actually care about. As long as long as I mean, look, you guys are you guys are adorable. You got married on the day that you started dating officially. You keep your records straight. You're the kinds of cute people who feel that your cuteness deserves special dispensation, which is a different form of adorableness. And when people ask you a simple question, what anniversary is this? You're so adorable that you feel the need to express your special adorableness by answering a question that they didn't ask. When did you start dating? So, yes, you're right. This is our 12th wedding anniversary and our 18th dating anniversary on the same day. There's going to be a certain portion of the population that's going to be like, that's cute. And a certain portion of the population is going to like, I just asked a simple question. And then a certain portion of the population is going to get together with some of your less adorable friends and say, those guys think they're so cute. Ugh. As long as you're willing to deal with the fact that they're going to be at least those kinds of reactions. One, cute. Two, disinterested. Three, grossed out and annoyed. Uh, yeah, say whatever you want. Say whatever you want. Flout the law. I lay down the law, flout it. Flout. I'm not going to give you a ticket. I am imagining right now them telling me the reverse. Like, we've been married for 18 years, but we've been together for 12. And that led me to an elaborate fantasy about it having been initially a green card wedding. Uh, uh -huh. But then the more time they spent together at the immigration office uh, and faking photographs of each other in in front of landmarks, uh, to demonstrate that their love was real. They eventually uh, fell in love. And now I feel like I have a really solid movie pitch. So my thanks to Daniel and Emily. Here's something from Frank. My girlfriend tells me I can't wear a fedora at all ever. My beloved fedoras sit collecting dust in my closet, yearning to breathe fresh air and enjoy sunshine, like my baseball and newsboy caps, of which she does approve. She alleges the only people who wear fedoras are old people and douchebags, Mostly the latter. I request your honor issues an order lifting the fedora ban in this household once and for all. I thank the court for its consideration. Jesse, as you run, edit, curate, host a men's fashion blog called Put This On. I do. That's true. And, and you are you are always our guest pert witness when it comes to men's fashion on this podcast and in my life. I have every trust in the world that when you say I have some fedoras, that is because you have some hats that are properly termed fedoras and that you also probably have some trilbies, some stingy brims, some boaters, some homborgs, all kinds of different hats that you know the different names of because it is a pleasure for you to know the provenance of the fashion of the of the dandy fashion that you occasionally wear and is part of your passion. What is your 
gut level feeling that when this guy says fedoras, that all of the hats in his collection are actually fedoras. Uh, my confidence is not strong. Um, I actually wrote, I mean, sorry, I wrote Frank. a whole article uh, for Put This On a few years ago that's uh, linked in the sidebar of Put This On, actually, because it comes up so often, uh, that was called uh, Hats for Non-Douches. <laughs> Go on. Um, so... What is the, a fedora? Uh, a fedora is that... Uh, uh, Indiana Jones wears a fedora. Um, Sam Spade wears a fedora. It is uh, probably what you imagine when you think of a classic traditional men's hat with a uh-huh. uh, with a pinched crown and uh, a medium or, or longish or, or widish brim, uh, uh, often worn snapped. Uh, that's a that's a fedora. Um, a, a trilby is what has been in fashion for uh, douches. For, well, it's not really even in fashion for douches anymore. But um, you know, ten years ago, yeah, uh, you know, dopey guys that hang outside of hang out outside of nightclubs started wearing uh, trilbies, which are it was mostly just a, a short brim fedora, a short brimmed fedora. Yeah. Um, so, I would argue that the trilby is more is inclined to be I would describe that as douchier a fedora I would generally describe as dorkier uh, yeah usually when I see a uh, fedora on the street it's not on a douchebag it's on a doofus <laughs> an important <laughs> distinction to make and I perhaps Frank you are unfairly bearing my ire because my contempt as all contempt is just a measure of one's own self-contempt as I wore a fedora in high school a black fedora with long hair. This is not a look that anyone should ever have. And when I look back on those days, those photographs with appropriate embarrassment and shame, I realize that affectations of the hat kind are very tricky to pull off because there are we are not simply, we're simply not trained in the etiquette of hat wearing anymore. We have no role models to teach us what kinds of hats and when. And we have no role, we don't even have any real screen role models now that Mad Men has moved past the hat wearing phase of the 60s to even begin to guess at what an appropriate look would be. Uh, what an, what an appropriate outfit would be to match a particular hat they were kind of wear and what each kind of hat represents. And consequently, what you see are, are formal hats being taken on as a kind of affectation. Uh, and sometimes it works, but very often it becomes a bench or a badge, a benchmark, I was going to say, or a badge of a certain attitude that maybe you don't want to be associated with. So the, the dudes who wore trilbies, I mean, how you know that that a, 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 a kind a kind of West Coast hipsterism uh, would that be right or wrong, Jesse? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's not even it's not really even hipsterism. It's sort of a different thing. Um, yeah, right. 
Uh, yeah, hipsters never really hipsters were uh, have always been too cool. Like it's a sort of a sort of middle aged hipsterism almost. Like yeah, a kind of a you know what I mean? Here's here, yeah. I will give I will give, men wear men wear hats to cover up balding. They'll wear a cooler hat if they think that they want to signify cooler, but they often just look dopier. And then the fedora has a different badge to it. The ba- and I'm, I'm sorry I interrupted you, Jesse. I'm just going to get this off my chest, and then we'll circle back to you. The fedora has a different badge to it, which is you either are in high school and have long hair, and you watched uh, you, you 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 watched uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, or even worse, you listened to old time radio broadcasts of The Shadow, and and you're wear and you're wearing this thing to <laughs> to signify your esoteric taste, and you look like a dope. Or else, and and you know, on online certainly, fairly or not fairly, the fedora has become the signifier, the the sartorial or or not not sartorial but uh, millenarial uh, <laughs> signifier of a, of a of an MRA, a men's rights advocate, which may may or may not affect your decision. Um, so you know when you take these things on, you might be wearing badges that you you don't necessarily intend. Jesse, I interrupted you. Please have your say. Well, I'm I'm going to offer. I I feel like the case against uh, hats for men has been well made by the internet, um, and I so I'm going to offer some some positive thoughts about hats for men. Please, uh, a sort of uh, some some broad guidelines for when you can wear them reasonably. Um. That is, and when I say when I'm talking about hats for men, I'm talking specifically about hats, not about caps or other stuff like that, which are a little easier to wear. Um, but Stand, standard, old-fashioned men's brimmed hats. Yeah. First of all, I would say that it's really important to if you're if you're going to do it to have a good one. Um, that in some cases, vintage hats are reasonably affordable and often higher quality than all but the very highest quality. Uh, contemporary men's hats in most cities there is there is no longer a real hat store um, those hat stores that there are the kind of chain stores like Gorin Brothers or something like that uh, not to reverse buzz market um, don't really sell a very high quality product if you happen to live in Chicago there's a store called uh, Optimo that sells exceptionally good hats um, worth and worth in New York um, there's there's a few others around the country Um Basically, if they if they can't do cleaning and reblocking in house, uh, which is you know reshaping the hat and uh, repairing it, they probably don't sell a quality product. Um, so there's there's that. I think it's worth having a good one and a good hat. Like if you buy it new, um, you're looking at hundreds of dollars, uh, maybe four or five hundred dollars uh, for a new high quality uh, mm-hmm. felt hat. Um, Vintage, you can get something of similar quality for you know eighty bucks or something, uh, but it's sometimes it's worth going into a store where people know what they're doing because they can help you pick a hat that flatters your face. So that's thing number one, an actual good hat. The other thing is that you should look at it as a functional garment and an element of outerwear. So like an overcoat, um, it is you know you wear a felt hat when it is protecting you from light rain. Uh, when it is cold outside and you need to keep your head warm. Um, so it's something that you would wear at the same time you might be wearing a scarf or an overcoat. Um, and you take it off when you get inside. Uh, basically, anytime you're not outdoors or in transit, you should not be wearing it. Um, 
a summer hat is a sort of a different, slightly different thing. Um, and, you know, I, I think uh, I will jump to the defense of bald people as a balding person myself. Sure. Um, I think some people think bald people wear hats to cover up their baldness. And I won't say that that isn't part of it for some people. But I know in my case, uh, I wear hats because otherwise my head gets either cold or sunburned uh, when the weather is intemperate. So it's something that I did not know was part of being a balding person until I started balding. But it totally is real. Um, well, I, I do apologize if I I do apologize for offending you and all of our balding listeners. I know that that fate awaits me, so I don't mean to be a jerk. <laughs> oh no, not at all. And so I, though, the well, the main reason I mention that is because in addition to the question of does your head get cold, uh, a summer hat is sometimes useful when uh, when it's sunny outside because it protects your head. Uh, and I couldn't uh, yes, and I could not I could not reiterate more strongly my my agreement with your with that advice but to generally speaking yeah. you're going to look like a chump if you're wearing a hat with a t-shirt i mean there there are exceptions i'm not going to get too far into them but as a general rule if you're walking around in a t-shirt with an indiana jones hat on you look like a chump all i was saying with regard to the to the balding issue uh and my apologies again uh is that when you see a, a man wearing a hat particularly a hat that is not necessarily matched to his outfit, particularly a hat that has some old-timey flair to it or leaps out at you as like, look at my hat. The hat is is a gesture of panic. <laughs> Sometimes to me that feels like a gesture of... Uh, maybe I'm losing my hair and I'm, I don't know what I don't know what to do with my life. Maybe I'm getting older and, I, and I'm not sure if I'm cool anymore. Maybe uh, maybe I need something to attract some people's attention. Um, maybe if I put this hat on, it's it's going to compensate for all these fears that I have. And and that and because we have no we have no clear uh, uh, role models or instruction until today. Thank you very much, Jesse. With regard to wearing a hat and how to match a hat with an outfit, it, it looks out of place and it looks weird. So let me say this. Listen to everything Jesse has to say. If you, if, you, if you fancy to wear a hat, I will not stop you. And I think you could probably even get it by your girlfriend if you do these things. Go and buy, go to a good hat store like Jesse says. Get the word fedora out of your mind because for a lot of people, that's just a generic term meaning old timey hat. And that's, and, it, and that's not how you should be thinking. Look at the hats that they have. Have them fit a hat to your face in consultation with you that makes you look and feel good. And then learn the kinds of clothes, suits and ties and jackets that would that would complement that hat. And then wear it and enjoy it as a piece of beautiful but functional clothing. And I'm sure that if you look good in this thing and you wear it well, no girlfriend in the world is going to tell you, put on your baseball hat again. I like that better. But uh, but uh, until then, keep those fedoras in the closet. Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org. And they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give 
your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you, it's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, Imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. 
topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Here's something from Kyle. I'm submitting a case against my awesome girlfriend, Susie. I recently moved from Raleigh to Charlotte, North Carolina for a new job. My girlfriend now lives about four hours away from me. When we have the opportunity to see each other, we often go out to dinner and other typical date fare. I like to pay for all of our dates, and if Susie visits me, I like to pay for her gas. She often protests my paying for dates and never accepts money for gas. She'll become very cross if I'm quicker on the draw with my credit card. Judge Hodgman, this has been an argument for a long time, and when we were in college, I'd occasionally let her pay, but now I've moved and work in a cube farm that provides me with more than enough money to cover date expenses. She's an elementary school teacher and has better things to do with her money. Judge, I'd like a ruling in my favor stating that I'm allowed to cover any and all date expenses and that my girlfriend can't get mad at me when I do so. Let me let me get a, just a quick read back from the record there, Jesse. This, Kyle is writing, he says, if Susie visits me... I like to pay for dinner. Is that correct? He likes to pay for dinner. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. And he also likes to try to pay for her gas. Try to pay for her gas, right. Because he's Kyle is Susie's father. Is that correct? <laughs> Wait a minute. When he pays for a dinner, he's definitely paying for her gas. Am I right? If they're having beans for dinner. <laughs> well, beans for dinner is a classic Charlotte, North Carolina staple. <laughs> Date night. You know what that means? Beans for dinner. Actually, there's some of the greatest food being cooked in restaurants and uh, and outside of doors in North Carolina. So I don't, you know, don't don't get mad at me, North Carolinians. Uh, Kyle, you're not Susie's dad. She comes to visit you. You don't have to pay for dinner. You don't have to pay for her gas. You don't have to decide what whether her job is sufficient enough for her to pay. You don't have to decide for her that she has better things to spend her money on. She is her own person. She's an individual. Choosing how to spend both her money and her time is part of how she maintains basic human individual dignity. And turning to me from an, for an order from another dude to tell your girlfriend how to feel about you paying for dinner just suggests to me that if you keep this up, she will make a choice in life. And that will be, she'll save the gas money and stay home. Stay in the research triangle. Maybe take yourself out to dinner at uh, the wonderful uh, uh, restaurant Lantern in Chapel Hill. Uh, that's, uh, that's owned by uh, Mac and Andrea. You know those guys, Jesse? I don't know them. Andrea Rusing's the chef, Mac McCann from Super Chunk. Andrea, that's her restaurant, Lantern in Chapel Hill. Don't, but it's not a buzz market, I'm, I'm telling you. It's one of the best restaurants in the world. Go there. In fact, Kyle, you drive up, if you're so worried about gas, you drive up and take your, take, take, and, and go Dutch to Lantern. Tell Andrea that I sent you and, and ask her opinion, the chef of this restaurant, whether, uh, whether you should be uh, paying for her gas. That's weird. You're not her dad. So there. And your girlfriend can get mad at you about whatever she wants. There's no way I can rule against that. Some weeks ago in episode 193, um, oh boy! You issued a call for technical drawings of a unicycle that incorporated a beach tire and an all-terrain tire that could be flipped. So, 
Yeah. When the beach tire was in action, it could uh, ride on a beach and then it could flip to an all-terrain tire with the beach tire up in the air as necessary. A double-ended unicycle. Um, Two wheels, still uni. Yeah. Only one wheel at a time. Yeah, like a convertible unicycle that converts from beach action to mountain action. The two yeah. primary places where one would ride a unicycle. Yeah, for, 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 for beach and mountain cops. It's going to replace the Segway. <laughs> still, still one of my favorite Tim and Eric bits. Corbs. <laughs> Their fake TV show, Corbs, Cops on, Rep- on Recumbent Bicycles. <laughs> check that out on YouTube. But you may also check out over at MaximumFun.org some of the designs that we received for these double-ended uh, unicycles. And, uh, and, and, and what, what are we starting with here, Jesse? Well, Jillian sent us a video of her friend's dad, who is a mountain unicycler, mountain unicycling. Professionally? I mean, he's a professional mountain unicycler. I, I, well, <laughs> I'm looking at the. <laughs> I'm, I'm just looking at the freeze frame or whatever you call that. The pull quote. <laughs> this, this, the frame that shows up when you haven't pressed play yet. Oh right. If yeah. this guy's not a professional mountain unicycler, I don't know who is. All right. Well, if you follow the link to the Vimeo page, it says Chris Shelton, professional clown, which is, I guess, the same as a professional unicyclist, former cop, full time fall down guy. And here he is on his mountain unicycle. Oh, apparently reading on here. Not only this, Jesse, he is also the official Ronald McDonald clown of Delaware, Maryland and Pennsylvania. That's a huge region to 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 wear to wear the the yellow red and white grease paint it's a huge reason to control as a Ronald McDonald clown. in this video he has two mountain unicycles and there's a shot where he checks out one then he checks out the other then he goes back to the first one and he says yeah i'm going with this one today yeah but we both agree this guy is totally awesome Look, oh now he's jumping up and down on it yeah He's totally great, but this guy has a problem. He's got two unicycles. He's got to choose between them. We are going to solve that problem for him right now. Okay. So let's get to our first submitted double unicycle. Okay. So Randall Cooper. Randall Cooper sent us one. Um, And uh, uh, let's see. He says... I know the image in your head was of a unicycle where the wheel not currently being used was between the rider's legs. Nope, Unfortunately, that wasn't no, the image in my head at all. That's not true. That's no. incorrect. Uh, we wanted one up in the air. Very few people have legs that are four feet long. So there's this. Yeah, well, thanks for sassing us based on an absolutely incorrect assumption about what was going on in our heads. Obviously, one of the wheels has to be up in the air while the other one is in action. Well, all right. And he says, filing, I offered to cover the, the cost of filing a patent up to $50. And he also says, filing a patent for this thing would involve headaches well in excess of $50. Oh, so now you're putting a dollar value on your headaches? I get headaches. Nobody pays me for those. So for those of you listening along at home, unicycle, double unicycle one, Randall Cooper model. Imagine the letter, the capital letter Y with a, a, a wheel at the bottom of the letter. 
And then the two arms of the Y is another wheel, in this case, a beach tire wheel, and then the seat. And this would never, I can't even understand how this could possibly work. There's no way this would balance. Uh, I'm sorry that you're so upset about everything, Randall, but uh, your, uh, your, your thing is wrong. All right, I'm gonna, moving on. I'm going to say, you know, you know what the headache that this guy has is? What? His design is cockamamie. He's got a cockamamie design. You're right. Okay. All right. Brian writes to us, while likely not Brian Archer, thank you Brian, while likely not comfortable or in any way wieldy. I don't know if wieldy is a word, but uh, I'll go with it. Yeah. I believe connecting two unicycles via a semicircular tube would be the preferred method for creating a double unicycle. Yeah. The semicircular section would be would ha- would be have a channel as to Come on, Brian. This is a nice drawing, but I need you to focus on your grammar here so that this makes sense. The semicircular section would have a channel so as to allow the keyed seat post to slide. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. I like you that see, idea. You see what he's talking about, right? Yeah, it's, it's got a it's got a it's got a key in there and a channel so it goes chunk chunk. And then and then when you want to switch, you flip the thing upside down and then you slide the seat down along the semicircle into the new position. Very, oh, very I like creative. this. I very like creative. this. So the C of this semicircle is big enough to accommodate the torso of a full-grown man or woman. That's correct. And the seat goes from one end of the C up and around to the other side of the C, and then you turn the whole thing over. My only concern here is how will this affect the rider's sense of balance? Yeah, again, uh, you know, I think what Brian has in mind is as close to what I had in mind when I thought of it. And I like this design a lot. However, it, he, he does not address how having this huge semicircular steel uh, C shape hanging off the back or front of this thing isn't going to is going to uh, upset the balance and how the rider would have to uh, uh, um, compensate. Uh, I also don't know why you would necessarily want to move the seats. Why not just have another seat up there just hanging down so you can just do the flip and hop on? That way, your 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 beach cop, mountain cop, unicyclist can can if they're chasing a perp, they don't want to stop and then and then move the seat around. They want to just flip the thing over, hop on again, and keep going. So also, can I can I recommend something? If they're chasing a perp, why not put in a hood? You don't have to put in an engine, but you want to put in a hood so there's something to slide across. Oh yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah, and you want to weld the doors shut for stability. <laughs> Absolutely. So I like this one. I don't. Uh, again, there's no, there's no, no information about how to compensate for the off balanceness, right? Because you're going to have a whole lot of weight on one side of the unicycle or the other. Yeah, I, that whole C. I have an idea for how to fix that, but let's move on and see what other people have. Can I ask you a quick physics question? I know you're a physicist in addition to being a podcast host, uh, uh, comedian, and writer. That, that's right. Would having the whole like the whole bottom of a unicycle extending above your head, would that make it easier to balance sort of like the way that uh, it's easier to balance a broom handle on your hand than it is a pencil on your finger? That's an interesting, I, I don't, I don't know how to answer that. I wouldn't even venture to guess. It would obviously increase drag. Yeah, that's a good point. It would increase drag. But would it be easier to balance just having more mass above you, I would have to. Right. I, I'm not even going to venture a guess. If someone, if someone wants to venture a guess, 
They, they may, what? and I will read it on the air. Yeah, what about coefficients, right? Right, drag coefficients. Right, and then you're going to have to get into velocity. Velociraptors. Uh, logarithms. Algo- logs. Al- what if you run into a log? Algo- Algoraptors, logoraptors. <laughs> logoraptors are... Uh, uh, that's a type of dinosaur that talks too much. <laughs> okay, uh, we got we got another one. So uh, I thought I thought it was nice. For, Brian Archer suggested that that he expects that if we put this into production, we might as be able to sell as many as two to five in the Santa Cruz area. Yeah, which makes about that seems about right to me. Um, so here is something from Jeff Hans Peterson uh, of Vashon Island or. Vashon Island? Vashon Island. Vashon Island in Washington State. Right off of uh, Seattle. This is a very handsome design. And what I like about this is that it has, in this one, uh, you can imagine three circles set in a vertical line. Two of them are wheels. Two of them, the three, okay. Yeah. I'm going to start over here. All right. Think of it this way. Seat, wheel, pedal, wheel yeah and the, there you go and, then and the chain yep. the chain goes around the pedals around the top wheel and around the bottom wheel all at once now this seems like it is my initial feeling is this is junk dangerous this would threaten my stuff my business more than a but, more than a regular unicycle that's what that's what puts my mind at ease a unicycle is inherently Anyone who steps onto a unicycle is disregarding their junk health. Exactly. So you t- you t- you 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 jump. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I didn't have anything to say. Did you Did you want to say something? I think this is a. I think this is a. I believe this design. I. Th- this is I a like, very intriguing design. I have to say. It's called Uncle Something or Others. Sorry, a little hard to read because it's a small image. Uncle Yuli's Swiss Army Unicycle, a dual configuration unicycle consisting of two wheels mounted on a rotating armature that, by pivoting about the pedal crank axle assembly, allows the operator to select between wheels of differing diameter and or tire design to better adapt to different riding conditions. Now, if I were a unicycle cop, I would have my eye on this thing. This is a beautiful technical drawing. It is a completely unique um, design that was not is not what I was thinking of, but it makes a lot of sense. And the only question I have is whether a, a, a human's legs could could a reach down to that bottom pedal uh, if, mm-hmm. if you're going to accommodate a, a rotating wheel up there, and or whether uh, the left leg. Let's if you if you're looking at front wise, let's imagine that's the back. The left, you know, if the leg that, that has to go over the, the 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 chain mechanism can even get over there, whether it's fully balanced or not. But it's a very intriguing concept and a beautiful technical drawing. You can take a look at it on the website, obviously. What I would do is I would manufacture that. Well, first, obviously, I'd patent it. Then I would manufacture it. And, and after it was manufactured, I would market it to the very tall thrill seeker uh, who also values convenience. Like sure. I would, I'd get Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on the line. Yeah, Kareem. Uh, I would. I first I would flatter him about his new novel, which is uh, uh, based on Sherlock Holmes' brother Mycroft. I'd say like I enjoyed your Mycroft Holmes novel, K- 
Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Are you a thrill seeker? And do you value convenience? If he said yes to both those questions, I'd say, well, have I got the unicycle for you? You're, that, you're going to get Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to sponsor one of these unicycles? Purchase one of the unicycles. Oh, I, I, but he's a he's a rich man, I think, from endorsements yeah, and I want him his to, basketball I want him days. to endorse so, our double unicycle. Matt Hartzler uh, wrote to say, Jesse suggested some swiveling seat nonsense. I think the trick would be to have two seats with a T formation with the additional wheel behind the user. Oh, I like this. I like this scheme. Yeah. So there's if you're wherever you're sitting on it, there's one seat directly below and in front of your junk, and a wheel extending out behind you. What is? But what does Matt? What does Matt say? What's the sentence there at the end of his little paragraph above the image? Not sure how it would be balance wise. Yeah, wouldn't work. This would not work at all. Despite the fact that he drew it on graph paper, which I appreciate makes it seem more technical. All right. Now look at this Here's drawing from Josh Beck. Please find and close the requested technical drawings for the double-ended bi- unicycle, which I've branded the Hodgman Double, D-U-B-B-E-L. I like that branding thinking. Please feel free to rename the product as you see fit. I think that's pretty solid. I like it. Um. So, so when we take a look at this one... I see a lot of, oh, okay. So this is a lot like the C, the semicircle. Brian Archer's semicircle. But this has a flip-flop. Flip-flop is trademarked. Mm -hmm. Tube armature, which goes directly behind you. So I think that would help keep the weight centered. I think that's the idea, yes. Again, we're looking at top to bottom, wheel, upside down seat, rider, right side up seat, wheel. Yep. That's and the two sets of unicycle and wheel are connected by a bar, but this one wouldn't extend out as far back behind you. And yet I'm not sure whether that would whether that would really solve the problem of having the extra weight of that bar on one side of the wheel array. And in fact, when we go down to Gregory McKay, he also offers another beautiful drawing. Uh, and th- this one, a, a, a little bit more uh, uh, hand freestyle drawing, but still gorgeous. Uh, and it's very much the same concept. It's uh, it's two unicycles, one upside down above the other, connected by a bar that is that is drawn very closely to the center of gravity. But again, you know, I don't know, I don't know whether this would work. I mean, I don't know whether uh, th- this would be enough to adjust how you would compensate for that additional, not just the additional weight above you, but the fact that you have weight on one side of the of the wheel that you don't have in the front. I look, I'm not I'm not a physicist, I'm not an engineer, I'm not even a unicyclist. I'm just a unicycle enthusiast. But my first thought is underneath the seat you put a bar and I'll grant you this is a further junk endangerment. But you put a bar that extends forward and then you put a dope stereo in front of you that weighs exactly the right amount to counterbalance the tube behind you. And then you can go anywhere you want. You've got convenience. You've got utility. And you have dope tunes. A joke, a, a, a junk bar with a boombox. Yeah. Yeah, I got you. got you. it. Okay. Right. Okay. Stephen Audner uh, well, th- couldn't come up with anything uh, two-wheeled, but he actually added an extra yeah, wheel. Yeah, exactly. He, he's basically taking the same concept of adding adding weight in front of the unicycle to compensate for the weight of the additional wheel, in this case, angled out behind you, 
uh, except in this case, he just added a third wheel. So imagine uh, a Y with a wheel at the end of each spoke and three seats in the middle. And uh, it's a beautiful picture of madness, but we cannot consider it because this is a three-wheeled unicycle. I wanted a double-ended unicycle. So Yeah, and I mean, am I, honestly, I'm a little bit upset I like that he has the mountain unicycle wheel that we request and the beach unicycle wheel that we requested. His third wheel is a quote-unquote standard unicycle wheel. I would like to have seen it be a unicycle wheel that's suitable for riding on lakes, like those giant bicycles that you ride on lakes. Or or maybe just a single a single water ski. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. so you can ride down the mountain over the beach, flip up to the water ski, grab onto your friend with the boat and then yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, nice Here's, thinking, Stephen, but no. Zachary Conrad uh, said, this included sketch in- shows two unicycle frames welded together at right angles, right below the seat height adjustment. The seats are appropri- appropriately weighted to balance the unicycle. At least, I don't, I don't get it from his drawing, but at least he's taking this into consideration. Appropriately weighted to balance the unicycle. All right. Um, you're welcome to use this drawing however you like, though I hope you will print it out and use magnets to stick it to your refrigerator. That is a great way to stick things to your refrigerator. Thanks for the suggestion, Zachary. Um, I love your so, I love your sort of outsider art painting of of this double wheeled unicycle with each <laughs> wheel at right angles to each other. And on, on the bottom angle, it says road. And then at a right angle in yellow, it says beach, as though there is ever a case where you're riding down the road and all of a sudden there's a big wall of beach in front of you. <laughs> yeah, I, I would not characterize Zachary as a trained artist. This definitely does not look like the work of a, you know, Carnegie Mellon student or whatever. Uh, he may not be a trained engineer either, uh, but I do like that he weighted these seats for counterbalancing. I'm going to guess that he put lead in there which is the heaviest thing that I'm aware of. It's got to be it's got to be lead. It also provides uh, radiation shielding for your junk. <laughs> yes. Which mo- so honestly can... most unicycles lack. <laughs> you can ride over a dangerously radioactive landscape. So Jesse that otherwise would be radiating radiation up in squarely directly into your business. It's a it's a it's a powerful idea, and I think it just shows how research and crazy ideas uh, that that seem impractical and dumb, just thinking about them can still lead to important innovations. Much like the idea of sending uh, a man to Jupiter or a woman to Jupiter is unlikely to ever happen in our lifetime. By thinking about it and planning for it, we discover things like Velcro. That's how Velcro was invented, by the way. And similarly, by thinking of a double-ended unicycle, Jesse and I have uh, have come up with the uh, heretofore unthought-of idea of, uh, of uh, radiation shielding for your junk on a regular unicycle. And it might even work for a, a bicycle or a penny farthing. But in the meantime, who gets the $50, Jesse? Uh, uh, I, think, I think I know my answer. Do you have an answer? It is a difficult. I mean, there's a part of me that just wants to give it to Jillian G's college friend's dad, uh, just so he can buy more dope sports sunglasses. Okay, and do more cool unicycle tricks. Okay. Oh, I think the one that I like the most, honestly, is Josh Beck's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that he took branding into account on with his Hodgman double. Uh, I like that it's super tall 
and you would probably have to put you'd probably have to be careful going under freeway overpasses uh and and i yeah, i feel I like this really i feel fun. like this is a, a drawing that you could immediately submit to the patent office do you know what i mean yeah i do too it's got the max fun logo on it yeah i think this is pretty solid all we need is one of those uh all we need is one of those uh, patent models. But how do you resolve the fact that it is essentially an identical idea to Gregory McKay's? Gregory McKay loses because his picture is not as good. I like artistic- That's how I artistically, it. I like his picture better. But technically, Josh Bex is his sounder. In no case do I think either of these are going to work. And and right. I think that in, in, in some ways, though, though he cannot win... Brian Archer is the closest to the solution, which is instead of a semicircle, how about a circle? You guys, you see what I'm saying, Jesse? Look at Brian Archer's. See how that's a semicircle that would be behind you or in front of you? Just extend another circle. So now you're just sitting in a circle and it's balanced. John, here's the thing. I know a little something about patents and patent laws, not only because, as I mentioned before, uh, my my mother's first husband was a patent lawyer, and she used to say things about it. Uh, but also because I was the target of a patent shakedown last year. Oh yeah, and I, it doesn't really have to work. Um, doesn't have to be a good idea. Uh, you don't have to make it. Certainly, in fact, I would suggest that we not make it if we want to get in this for the money. Right. I think what we do is we patent one of these things, and we basically wait for anyone to make any money on anything that's even vaguely related to it. Then we hire a lawyer and we shake them down. All right. The fifty dollar prize goes to Josh Beck with the Hodgman double. I am going to suggest that Gregory McKay's design be printed as a T-shirt and available in the Max Fund store because I, I think it's beautiful and it's a beautiful yeah. illustration. And all of them are available with my great thanks and gratitude uh, on uh, and Jesse's uh, as well, I presume, on the MaximumFund.org website. Look for the Judge John Hodgman name or logo. Jesse Thorne, I got to run out of chambers to go run and be on the Daily Show television program. So I'm going to let you wrap this up. Sorry about that. But uh, but thank you very much to everybody and and uh, and uh, this is the sound of a gavel. Knock knock. That's our time for the Judge John Hodgman podcast. The show is produced by Julia Smith, edited by Mark McConville. You can see all of the unicycle submissions at maximumfun.org on our blog post for this week's show. But these things were so amazing, we wanted to do something more. So we're putting Gregory McKay's design on a limited edition T-shirt. You can find it at maxfunstore.com today. It's only going to be available for two weeks. You can order it for two weeks starting today, the day this episode comes out. So go to maxfunstore.com and get yours now. It is, I promise you, it is a super, super cool T-shirt. And no one will have any idea why you have this strange picture of a unicycle with two seats and two wheels on your chest. But it's actually kind of beautiful. So maxfunstore.com. You can join us on social media. We've got a Facebook group, both for Judge John Hodgman and for MaximumFun.org. Both are very lively. You can join us on Reddit at MaximumFun.reddit.com. You can use the hashtag JJHO on Twitter to discuss the show there and join us on our forum at forum.maximumfun.org. If you've got a case for Judge John Hodgman, go to MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. No case, too big or too small. MaximumFun.org slash JJHO or Hodgman at MaximumFun 
org. We'll talk to you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.